But jump with me to verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You've heard the phrase, you are what you eat. What a dumb phrase. I don't even get that at all. Um, I, Due to allergies, I don't eat nuts. At least there's that. On the other hand, boy, I eat a lot of ham. So I don't know that that's any better. Um, chicken. I mean, there's a whole lot of things out there. That, why, where, where did that phrase come from? You are what you spend. I think that that's a true statement. I think I can look at your checkbook and tell you what's important to you. I know we all pay house payments, whether it's rent or mortgage or or whatever. We've all got car insurance. I'm not talking about that. I can look at where you spend the leftover money and see what's important to you. I absolutely believe that 100%. You could look at my, if, if I were just outline my, what I spend on, you would say, Jason likes comic books. That's something I spend money on. Unashamedly, I'll say, it's a fun hobby. Um, it, I don't buy video games. That's not important to me. Uh, I do buy the occasional music CD. I like music, not a lot. I don't listen to tons of it, but I, I, the occasional CD from a group I like, sure. Nothing wrong with that. Books, yeah, I, I, I've slowed down on buying books because there comes a tipping point where you just can't read what you've already bought if you're not careful, and I may, I'm getting near that point. Uh, I, what about what my wallet says about the church? What about what my, what my checkbook says about what I give to God? If I, there, I didn't invent this phrase. If I was on trial for being a Christian, would my checkbook convict me? You know, somebody's going to say churches talk about money all the time. Why are always af- they're always after my wallet? Well, to be clear, the Bible spends a lot of time talking about finances. You can't preach through First Timothy without at some point hitting the subject of finances, and it's inappropriate to skip passages we don't like. In fact. Heard the phrase uh, that you probably need to pay attention to the parts of your Bible you didn't underline. Those are the parts. There's all parts that we like. It's the parts we don't like that maybe God's trying to talk to us to and in. And, and money may be that for, for some of us. The Bible talks about money, so we should at times. There's a problem that all churches faces, face. People, a lot of people don't think the church is all that important. And I think that the checkbook might be one place where we could see that. It could be a bit of a giveaway on what our priorities are because we spend money on what's important to us. We know in the Old Testament, tithing is 10%. We, just, we know that. You don't get to reinvent the word. The word tithe literally means 10%. And so we, knowing that, 
and we can't redefine it. And we see that it's a command throughout the Old Testament that the people of God give 10%. Um, that, we, we know that Malachi tells the people, the, the children of Israel, that when you don't tithe, you rob God. Now, let me be clear. New Testament doesn't really talk about tithing. There's no New Testament command. Uh, you could make the argument that that was for the people of Israel, not for the church. Yeah, if you wanted to do that, you can, but, I would also, but the New Testament does talk about giving our offerings to God and giving to God and giving to the church. Um, Jesus spends time talking about money and, and, and commends the widow who gives, who gives the ultimate sacrifice of her finances to the temple. I, I absolutely believe, frankly, my own opinion is if the Jews had it good and they were expected to give 10%, I've got it better than them. Jesus has come. I think my life is so much better with the Holy Spirit in me and with the Bible and with the church that for me 10% is the starting point, not the ending point. And, and if I have the ability to give above and beyond, then, then, then maybe I should because I'm that grateful to God. Regardless, we can't dodge the fact that what we don't seem to believe too often is that, that we should care about money or that or, or maybe sometimes we believe that God doesn't care what we give. I think God does care. I think money is a spiritual matter. I absolutely do. I absolutely believe that. And, and I think that Timothy says this, that it can draw people away from the faith. Uh, most churches have, have a problem of tithing. And, most, and, and, and to be clear, and I think college, and struggling to make ends meet, and couldn't, and kind of vented to my, my preacher at the time, uh, he, I love that he challenged me. I didn't at the time, but he challenged me and says, Jason, are you tithing? And I said, no, I'm not tithing. I can't even pay my bills. He said, you know better. You know that God says, test me and see. And when I started tithing, and I couldn't afford to, when I started tithing, then I had the money to pay my bills. And I can't explain it, and here I am 25 years later explain how that math worked out, but it did. When God says, test me and see, I tested him and I saw and, and, and have absolutely tithed and then given my offering above and beyond the tithe since then. Um, man, if God, can, if God could fix my finances when I gave him 10%, just imagine what he can do if I give him 12 or 15 or 20. He can do even more. And, and having put that to the test, I've found that that's true. But giving to the church is, is a spiritual maturity thing. And I... And, and most churches, young people struggle to get it. And then there's that point when we get it. And I think in most churches, the irony is that in most churches, it's the older members of the church that may be on fixed income or things like that that are the ones that often are the, are the really faithful givers. I love that they have that maturity. Um, and I just want, I, I want to challenge, if, if, if you're not giving in gratitude, I think you're missing out. I think it's a worship issue. I think it's spiritual. I think that God does bless us through through giving to the church. No, I'm not making you a promise that if you give 10% to the church, all your bills will be paid. I don't have the right to make that promise. I can just tell you what has happened in my life. And, and, and God has, as I have given to God, I have been blessed. Maybe not always financially. There have been times that Pamela and I have really struggled. But, there have, but, but the blessings were still there. Uh, money shows our priorities. I do believe that. It shows what I'm passionate about. And I'm passionate about God's kingdom. I'm excited about the church. In high school, 
they had those pep, you remember those pep rallies? They would, I, I would go to the pep rallies because uh, the ones that were during the school day would get me out of class. But I'm going to be honest, I didn't have much school spirit. Rah, 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 go team, go. Eh, I didn't really care. I'm not, I'm not into sports. High school football games I went to because I was in the band. I do like music. I like playing music. Um, so I, enjoy, I went to the, but played in the pep band for the basketball games, but as soon as the band was done, I, I tended to take off. Um, I'm not really a sports guy. And, and, and so the pep rallies didn't do a lot for me. Um, making kids go, some of those we had to go to, making, making kids go to pep rallies when they're just not into it, eh, it does feel a little bit wasteful. Okay. There are times church can feel a little pep rally-like. You know, preacher's the, maybe the cheerleader on stage saying, go to, let's get excited, let's get excited. And, and the kids are in the, uh, the congregations in the pews saying, I don't, I don't know that I'm feeling that. Um, I want to be enthusiastic about something that matters. You know, sports are fun for a hobby. Comic books are fun for a hobby. Uh, the, you know, our hobbies are the things that we, that, that we get excited about. But it doesn't matter like God's church, like the gospel that brings the saving message to people that are dying and need to hear it. That's what I want to get excited about. And, and my finances kind of show that. Frankly, you, I, I had an elder ask the question once, and this is a blunt question, so... I'll ask it, and, and, and some of you can, can, can squirm the way that I think people squirmed when he asked it. One of my previous elders asked the question, if the whole church gave what you gave, would we still stay open? That's a tough question, and I, and I don't say that to, 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 put any, to put any guilt on it, but it, it's worth contemplating. What's our... What's our and again, I, I appreciate the New Testament doesn't command it, because nobody should feel guilty. God loves a cheerful giver. There are times in our lives when we financially struggle, and I get that. I do get that. I don't want to say that, that we don't. I, likewise, I don't believe in guilt trips on missing church. If you miss church on a Sunday because you're sick, because you're busy, because you're on vacation, church is important. We want to come to church regularly. Giving is part of our worship. We want to do it regularly. And I really believe that the more that we come to church, the more that we pray, the more that we read our Bible, the more that we give that as we draw closer to God through these things, we find that, that, that we are drawing closer, that we are becoming more Christ-like. Nobody should read the Bible 24-7. You've got to sleep. You've got to go to work. You've got, you, you've, you've got to take care of the kids. Nobody's saying that you, should, that you should do that. That's not possible, right? We know that it's impossible to read the Bible 24-7. Okay? Likewise, nobody's saying you should give 100% of your income to the church. Nobody's saying that. I do find that when I get deeper into Scripture and can give a little more time, I get out of it. And I do think that giving works that way. I think worship works that way. I think our money is a tool. We can't take it with us. So we should do something meaningful with it. We, we chase the American dream and then wonder why the American dream isn't fulfilling. The American dream is, is outspending your neighbors. And that will never be fulfilling. It's just money. The Christian's dream is to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That when we, that when we die and we get to heaven, that, that Jesus says, that's what I'm talking about. What you did, that's the life that I wanted you to live. Good job. That's what we're after. 
Timothy says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. What a, what a damning statement. If your money and your stuff keep you from God, you got to get rid of it. You, you got to reprioritize. It would be terrible to miss the kingdom of heaven for that. And so I want to read the last couple of verses of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. Grace be with you. When I was a kid, no surprise, when I was a kid, my mom read me fairy tales. I, I, I come by my love of science fiction and fantasy quite honestly. My mom read me that. My mom read me the Chronicles of Narnia. I should, I should backtrack. My mom read me the first of the Chronicles of Narnia. By the time we got to book seven, I was reading them to her. That's how I learned how to read. She taught me. And then I went to kindergarten. Um, and, I'm, and I'm very grateful that my mom did it that way. I, I, I was a good reader. This, this has been my struggle as I've, as I've raised Calypso. I've talked with Beth about this quite, quite a bit. Um, Calypso is not at the reading level that I was. I vented this to my mom, and my mom said, nobody was at the reading level that you were. We taught you how to read before you went to school. Uh, when I was in high school, the kids used to tease me that uh, if I knew something, they said, oh, you read the dictionary. That's for fun. That's, that's why you know these things. And one of my teachers passed that on to my parents, and my mom laughed and said, hey, it was the encyclopedias. It wasn't the dictionary that he read when he was a kid. In my defense, I didn't read them cover to cover. I just read them a lot <laughs> from them quite a bit. I don't think I re- I didn't read them cover to cover, but I did do a lot of reading. I, I like last night a friend of mine texted me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm reading a book on the history of Angkor Wat in Cambodia. It's the second book I've read this week on that subject. I've got one more that I'd like to read next week. And he said, why? He said, because I don't know anything about Angkor Wat. I'd like to know more. I, and, I, and I told him, just legit, I like research. I like learning things. I loved college. I loved seminary. We live in a day and age, unfortunately, when college-educated people kind of have this great, better-than-you attitude, this elitist attitude that because I've learned more, I'm therefore somehow better than you who haven't. You know what I'm talking about. I don't ever want to be that person. Education's neat if you get the chance, and, and, and God has, has, has given you the chance to study it, but, but common sense is much more useful, and that's where I struggle, I think, a lot of times. Um, Paul, I, think, I think Paul address, addresses this and, and, and talks about people using, you know, if money, if getting your own way in power is a distraction from the gospel, and if money is a distraction of gospel, too much college education is absolutely a distraction from the gospel. Statistically, we can see this, that, that kids that go off to college are more likely to abandon the faith than kids that don't go off to college. I love college. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. But thrown at with all these ideas and these, and these college professors who themselves may not, may not be Christian, who rarely are, education can be a distraction as well. We have to be careful of that, that that we're not getting so caught up in our own thoughts that we walk away from God's thoughts and what, what matters to God. There are things to learn, but there's only one thing to learn that matters. The Bible is the only book that can save me. None of the others can. We, we live in a college town, and, we, and, I, and I think we get this, 
this college district. Now, again, I love education. Let me be very clear on that. And I, and I think that college is, is good, provided we're, we're grounded in the faith. I think that's, that applies to everything. Neither power, nor money, nor knowledge matters. Knowing Jesus and him crucified, that's what matters in life. Foolishness to the world that says that these things matter. But we get that it is Jesus that matters and, and nothing else. Too many Christians no longer live that way. They let culture determine what they think the Bible should say. Yeah, I, I hope we get the state can make something legal, but that doesn't make it right. The Bible tells us what is right and wrong. Yeah, and, and, and we make excuses. You know, the, the, the super knowledgeable make excuses of why you can no longer trust the Bible. Well, it's, it only applies culturally to back then. It's been mistranslated. With two degrees in, in Bible translation, I can tell you that it hasn't. And we can, if you want to spend an afternoon drinking coffee and talking about textual criticism, happy to do that. It's one of my favorite subjects. The Bible has not been mistranslated, but people say that. Oh, it's been rewritten through the years. It hasn't. We let culture determine what we want this book to say, and then, and then kind of twist the facts around that. The Bible, we teach here at this church, that the Bible isn't sufficient, authoritative, infallible, divinely inspired, it's universal for everybody, and it is uniquely the only book that is all of that. And we will continue to teach that. That is our foundation. It's 100% for you. It used to be common sense that this is what the church taught, and this is what people believed, and this is what the Bible was. Our world has lost common we, we have. We've lost common sense. We've traded common sense for knowledge. You know, the, the, um, I love the old statement that there is a difference between intelligence and wisdom. You know the statement. Intelligence is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in fruit salad. Um, our world needs more wisdom. We have a lot of knowledge these days. Goodness, we've made, we've made microchips, and, and, and we, can put, we can put people on the moon. Goodness, look at what we've done in 100 years, knowledge-wise. But I don't know that we're any wiser than the people were back in the days of, of Paul and Jesus. In fact, if anything, I feel like that knowledge has distracted us from wisdom. Somewhere we forgot to pass on to the next generation the timeless truth of the Bible. And so I, I, I said we'd come back to verses 11 through 16. I want to close on that because I think that's a, I'd like to close on a positive note. First um, Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gave life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made the good confession, I charge you, to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. What kind of Christian are you? You know, professional athletes don't have an off-season. You know, the Olympics are just finishing up. 
And, and these Olympic athletes, they, they don't have an off-season, do they? they, they, they tra- if, if you want to compete on that stage, you, you train. You train and you train and you train and you train and you train. And there's no, and there's no end. Uh, a good friend of mine back in Illinois is a competitive bodybuilder. Man, he doesn't eat french fries. He doesn't eat egg yolks, poor guy. He just constantly, he's always in that mode of working out and eating healthy. And for those of us that like a nice Dr. Pepper and Snicker bar, that, he doesn't do that. That's what he sacrificed to pursue that dream. How many of us are armchair quarterbacks in the church? We, we watch other people do the work, but we, we don't want to do the work ourselves. We don't want to do the spiritual training and growth. How many of us have good seasons and bad seasons? Or within the week, you know, we come to church on Sunday, but, but the rest of the week is time off. We don't need spiritual growth on those days. How long until... Well, I think we can answer this question. The U.S. is always about a generation behind Europe. We tend to copy what they do. One percent of the population of Scotland goes to church on Sundays. Just one percent. The, the, the country that gave us some of the greatest Christian teachers and apologeticists and uh, Sunday school and all, all these other things that come from, uh, come from Scotland and, and that rich tradition, there's not much left. You know, they kept prioritizing otherwise. Massive cathedrals, beautiful cathedrals, empty. We, we can be lazy. We, we can choose not to build a relationship with God, a healthy one. We, we, a lot of times we like things superficial. Don't get deep into my life. Give, give, give me fire insurance. Give me just enough Christianity to keep me out of hell. But I don't want to be radical. I don't want to be sold out for God. I don't want to be on fire for him. Just, just enough. What's the bare minimum coverage I can get away with? We resent anything else. But it's a priorities thing, isn't it? Sports and hobbies and so many other things in our life are really important. They, they, they may beat out God. Prayer often seems something that we can find to um, when we're sick, when we're in need, maybe when we come to church on Sunday, but the rest of the week it, it's, it's kind of behind. And, and, I, and I get it. Culturally, we're so busy that we've forgotten how to manage what's important. We live in a busy day and age. Stephen Covey talks about the tyranny of the urgent, that anything that's immediate and pressing tends to take priority over things that may be more important. Paying your taxes is important, and there's a problem if you don't get them paid. April 15th is a big day, and maybe on April 14th when we're scrambling to get it done last minute, um, maybe we don't read our Bible that day because this is a, is a, it, we run out of time. This is urgent. i got to get on this, and I can read my Bible later. But we do that so often that we hit a point where we go, wow, it's been weeks, months, years since I've cracked that open because everything else has been urgent. But a relationship with God is important, and there is a difference between the two. Wealth isn't bad. I'm not trying to say give all your money to, to, to the church. Then you're poor and we, gotta, you know, we might have to help you out. No, we're not talking about that. Wealth is a gift from God, but we're, we're to use it for God. Hobbies are fun when, when we've got the free time. Um, there's nothing wrong with that until it distracts us from our faith. Shipwrecks us from our faith. When sports, comic books, any of that stuff distracts us, then, then 
it's inappropriate. Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, whoever does not hate his mother, father, his family, isn't worthy to follow me. His point is don't, don't prioritize it. He, don't, he doesn't want us. It, it, it's hyperbolic language. He doesn't want us to get distracted, even by family, which is a gift from God. Family is amazing. But even family might distract us from God. When the church pursues righteousness first, the church will flourish. Ruler and center of our life. We see, we see good deeds throughout this book, throughout the Bible, don't we? We see that we are called to be above reproach. That's a, that's a phrase that's used. You know, these are, these are God's, Paul's, God through Paul's concluding thoughts for Timothy. You know, we all have priorities in our lives. We, we choose, you know, and, and, I, and I've, 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 an ice cube tray, you know, comic for me, comic, it's an easy hobby to, to make fun of. Comic books are, are an ice cube in the tray of my life, and um, reading about Angkor Wat in Cambodia is an ice cube, and, and, and I've got all these different things in my life. God isn't one of those ice cubes, is he? God is the actual tray that we put everything into. And, 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 and we get it wrong when we make God a piece of our life. God needs to be the whole life that all the pieces fit into. Uh, it's, not, it's not putting God in a box. It's about, it's about who we serve. And, and if God is in charge, if we are Christians, then, then God is the filter that everything goes through. No idea what our hymn of invitation is, but it'll be on screen, I'm sure. Don't make God a priority. That's not the biblical call. That's not what lordship is. God is the priority. He is, you know, the problem with saying first is that it sounds like he gets 51%. He doesn't get 51% or 65% or 90%. God gets it all. And then, and then through him, we are blessed and we have time for hobbies and we have money for, for things that we enjoy. If you haven't made God the priority, that's a big discussion. We don't want to do bait and switch. It's not, a, it's not an easy answer of come forward, we get you wet in the baptistry, everything's... A commitment to God is a big thing. And if you haven't made that, if you haven't made him Lord, or maybe you don't even know, I want to talk with you about what that looks like because it's not just a, well, I accept Jesus and, into my heart and then I... File it away in the back of my head, and I go on with my, with my life, and nothing's changed. Making God Lord of your life is everything, uh, and, and, it's, and it's huge, and it's all-encompassing. And we don't want to bait, and, we don't want to mislead you, but it is the only answer uh, to the problems of this world. God made us for better than this. He made us to live with him in eternity. I want to talk with you about what that looks like. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.